0: Welcome to the Boss Podcast. This podcast provides today's sellers with sales tactics that will help them to reach their goals. Your host, Mark McGinnis, brings you diverse guests, high-quality discussion, and valuable insights on every single show. Mark is the author of Tactical Pipeline Growth, as well as an in-demand sales trainer and coach for B2B companies all over the world. If you want to be better at outbound sales, you're definitely in the right place. Now, let's get into the podcast. I need to think about it.
1: How many times have you heard that as a salesperson? We get it all the time. But what is a good way to navigate this type of typical objection? Many of you might have been told to use the old classic, well, what specifically would you like to think about as a strategy? But I find this is too aggressive, and whilst it might work on the used car lot, It's not going to get great results in a professional sales environment. Martin Burwell is an account executive working for a Canadian-based tech startup. He posts great tactical sales advice on Twitter. I've dragged him out of Twitter to share some of his favorite plays with us today, including how to handle this classic objection, I want to think about it. Before we jump into the episode, I'm focused on sharing as much technical sales advice as I can with as many salespeople as I can through this podcast. In order to do that, I need to get this podcast into the hands of as many sellers as possible. You see, I need a little help with that, and I'm prepared to swap you for it. How would you like an electronic copy of Tactical Pipeline Growth sent directly to you? All you have to do is leave an honest review on Apple Podcasts it would really help other listeners to find us. And it also helps us to find more great guests in the future. Guests just like Marty Burwell. And remember, the better the guests, the better the sales strategies. The good news is it'll only take you about 60 seconds to do. And you can probably access the review function directly from the device you're now using right now. I'd really appreciate it. Simply leave us a review and then screenshot that and send it to me either via DM on LinkedIn or directly through my email, and then I'll send you a copy of the book, Lickety Split. Now, let's jump into the episode and hear from Martin Burwell. Welcome to The Boss Podcast. I'm Mark McInnes, and this week, I'm joined by Marty Burwell. Marty, how are you? Hey,
2: Mark. Thanks for having me. Doing great. How are you?
1: I'm really well, and I'm really pleased to get you on The Boss Podcast. I'm excited about what we've got to share today, I've been holding on to this since October the 30th last year. So I'm dragging you all the way across from Twitter. Whereabouts are you located at the moment?
2: Yeah, I'm in Toronto, Canada. Okay, cool. So you're an AE in the tech space, that's right? Yeah, that's correct. I'm an AE in the tech space. Yeah, I sell to primarily SMB clients and have a little bit of experience also selling to that kind of upper mid-market and enterprise as well.
1: Great, I love it. So you're out there selling, having conversations every single day of the week, right?
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, primarily what we do is we have a full sales cycle. So I do a lot of outbound prospecting, as well as we have a fantastic marketing team, which brings me lots of inbound leads. So I'm always thankful for that. But yeah, full sales cycle, all the way from prospecting to discovery to closing clients up. So that's awesome. So. The reason why
1: I've asked you on is because I've seen you on Twitter. I saw you posting some really cool stuff. So it's not usual that AEs share information about how to sell stuff. So do you have like a special interest or a background in sales skills or sales training or something? Or I mean, what's what's the story there?
2: Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, I think for someone like myself, it's really tough to get like a traditional sales education that I don't offer at university or college or anything. And for someone like myself, I went to school for engineering, but it became really interested in sales and you know, I've had some really great coaches over the years and I just think, you know, getting the information out there, talking about it a little in the sales community is really important. You know, I've certainly seen people posting on whether it's LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever it may be, who have just given me wonderful advice on, you know, how to better close deals or some prospecting tactics or whatever it may be. So, you know, for me it's just a way to get involved in the conversation and, and share what was kind of working for myself as well. That's kind of why I started up that account. And yeah, it's been it's been really quite fun so far. So I really enjoy what you
1: post. So Marty slash sales guy is where you can find you. And Amsan Burwell underscore Martin. Check him out if you're on Twitter. I'm increasingly loving Twitter for these sorts of plays. So the reason why that drew me to your attention and the reason why I've asked you on is because you shared a, a concept that I thought was really neat about an objection that everybody gets. It's that classic objection. Let me think about it, or I need some time to think about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, what's your play here? Before we do the play, how did you figure this out? Like, what was the story?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, that is just a very classic objection talking to someone who always says, they need more time. And, you know, just through a matter of kind of reading up on it, talking about it with colleagues and, and trying stuff out for myself, kind of landed on what works best for me. So, I think the biggest thing to identify is when someone says, I need to think about it, where in the deal cycle is this prospect? So, that's the first kind of question to ask yourself because. Someone who says I need to think about it, who's at the beginning of your deal cycle versus the middle versus the end is going to have a completely different, you know, objective or how you want to treat it. I'm happy to dive into it. You know, we'll start in the middle of the funnel. So if someone's in the middle of the funnel and they say they need to think about it, it could be a number of circumstances. So it could be because they're evaluating multiple vendors, they need to get sign off internally, or whatever it may be. But you know, the issue is that you actually don't know, so it's hard to tackle. So what I like to say for this in terms of the middle of the funnel is you can just use a line that's as simple as, yeah, you know, when people say they need to think about it is usually because they aren't interested or I just missed something. Now, when you say that, people are obviously naturally gonna to want to correct you. So instead of them saying, you know, yeah, no, that's exactly what it is, they'll say, no, or actually are interested. It is that maybe your customer success isn't up to par. I don't know, but the onboarding process, that Salesforce integration. And what they'll do is they'll just name an objection. And right away, that already gets you farther ahead in the sales process because then you can essentially just tackle that objection. And if they do respond with, yeah, we actually aren't interested, well, that's good to know as well because then you can just move on from that deal and start filling up your pipeline as well. So you know, that's a really good way to tackle that middle of the funnel objection. I really like this
1: because it's teasing out the right objection. because we know, in most cases, whenever we get an objection from a client, they're just looking for the easiest way to stall or slow down because something's unresolved. You know, whether it could be budget, it could be all sorts of different things, right? So just walk us through that, you know, what you said again to get the right details out. What was that language that you used?
2: What I'll say if someone says to me is like, oh, I need time to think about it. I'll say, okay, fair. And then I'll say, you know, when people say to me that they need time to think about it, it's usually because they aren't interested or maybe, you know, I miss something. And instead of saying, you know, I miss something, I'll say, you know, I miss talking about the integration or they're worried about onboarding or you just pick anything that you know you guys handle really well. And then they'll come back and they'll actually correct you about why they need time to think about whether that's budget, whether that's the integrations, whether that's looping in the sales team or the customer success team or the marketing team or whoever else is a stakeholder. And naturally, you'll have plays to essentially address those. So then you can kind of take that buyer down that journey of you know, making sure that you can handle all their objections and making sure there isn't anything internal that you don't know about. Okay, so that's the middle of the funnel. So where do we go to from here? Yeah. So I mean the other one where we hear a lot is that late stage. So, you know, you've taken someone from discovery to, you know, kind of into that demo where you're showing the value of your solution. And then at the end they say, Yeah, well, I just really have to think about it, which is probably the worst objection because you may be forecasting that deal already to go in. So for here, again, like you gotta think about from the buyer perspective, like what are they possibly thinking about? And I find more often than not, they're probably trying to build an internal business case. So they need to present this to their CFO, CEO, you know, whoever that economic buyer or you know, signing authority is. So right here, the biggest thing you want to do is you want to take control of the process. So it's always good to essentially, you know, again, loop this back to other people you speak with and use some language such as they say to you, I need to think about it. And you can respond with, yeah, fair. Most people who I'm talking to right now have a pretty strict buying process that has a lot of stakeholders. Fortunately, I've worked through this quite a few times. Do you mind if I just bounce a few ideas off you on how you might be able to get this approved? And from there, that's where you're essentially going to try and figure out their buying process. So, who approves what, who's signing for the deal, what the budget is, is there concerns around the budget, you know, and really who might be a bit of a blocker to your deal. And then, keeping in that vein of you want to keep control, You can help them build that business case, coach them up on how to, you know, essentially convey the value propositions of your solution, your ROI, and how it's going to make a difference in the organization. Love that. So then, of course, you can partner up with your champion internally
1: and then provide the better business case. And I really like the language that you use too. You know, most people who I talk to have a strict buying process that has a lot of stakeholders. So you're disarming. You're not saying there's probably a lot of other people involved in this process that you haven't told me about which is kind of what you're saying, but you're not saying it.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And, and the thing is, is that if you're actually incorrect, where it might not be a shrink buy, like the buying process might be pretty linear and they can just go ahead and get this approved, they'll naturally, you know, essentially tell you what it might be. So maybe it's a cash flow problem. We need to do quarterly payments instead of an annual payment. So you guys can facilitate that. Maybe it's a security concern and they're going to have to loop in the security team and, you know, you can start pulling the resources together on your side. So again, anytime you come at that from that, con, you know, almost like a consultative angle, or you're just trying to help them get something through, you know, that's where you're really able to see like people let their guard down a little bit and you can essentially champion them, champion them up and partner with them and make sure that they can push through deals for you. That's great. So is there any more to this particular strategy that you'd like to share? The biggest thing just to sum it up about, you know, anytime someone tells you to think about it is... One, you really just want to get down to essentially what might be holding them back. And you know, whether that's through like going through the integrations you have to go through, or you're working with people who are making big purchases, essentially sussing out any anxiety they may have around something. Maybe they're a first time software buyer. Maybe they've never started these programs before. And that's where you can start to loop in your own customer success team, customer references, maybe set the bubble on a call with someone who's already using your platform. And you just want to ease that anxiety for them as well. That's another big one to look out for, which can really help you kind of push through deals as well. And I'm guessing,
1: so Marty, this is your opportunity to make me look bad, but I'm guessing that the reason why we don't have a strategy at the front of the pipeline is because we're probably less likely to get this objection at the front of the funnel. So in the early stages of the interaction, we're probably more likely to get things like I'm not interested. I've already got one or I've got no budget. Is that fair or
2: have I got that right or wrong? Yeah, I would certainly say so. Like you'll definitely encounter a little bit less. One thing I always like to do at the front of the pipeline is ask them what kind of timeline they're looking at to get something up and running. What that helps me do is be able to set some expectations on our end we have a bit of a longer onboarding process. The other thing it does is it allows me to work backwards from their timeline as well. So you don't really see it as much as I need to think about it because if you ask what their timeline is, If their timeline is eight months out and you're getting the, I need to think about it at the end of your buying process, which might be in six weeks, you're kind of just setting yourself up there. So just figuring out that timeline really does a good job of just avoiding that. I need to think about it at the beginning of the stages there. Great stuff. Now,
1: I don't know if there's a salesperson on the planet that doesn't get the, I need to think about it objection. So, but I think you've just helped a whole bunch of people. I really, really appreciate it.
0: Is your outreach getting you labeled as a spammer? What well, once worked in B2B Outbound doesn't work anymore. The goalposts have moved, and so must your approach to sales. Sure, you might land an odd conversation or even a reply to an odd cold email, but is it scalable? Will it provide you with enough revenue to hit your yearly goals? Having worked with sales teams all over the world, we see what works and what doesn't. Our new POW coaching program provide sellers with access to the very best training available today. It doesn't matter if you're a team of 50 or a team of one. We have flipped traditional sales training on its head and allow you to learn in your own time and still get the important coaching help that you need. Grab all the details at markmc.com pow. So if we look now into
1: another part, so you've got some stuff to share around discovery. Discovery telephone calls, yeah?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think this is something that I've been really trying to work on myself as a rep. And I have some great coaching around it from my colleagues and managers. But I find one of the things in Discovery is having a really great give-get relationship with prospect. And, and when I say that, is I find there's almost two types of conversations that I run into a lot. One of them is prospect shows up. And they're just asking you to give away information, give away information, give away information. They have their list of questions they just want to go through and they just want to drill you asking for information. And that's not really how we want to run deal cycles because we don't know what their timeline is. It's impossible to forecast our own deals. And it's essentially really hard for us to run a good buying cycle for reps. The other thing is they see is that sometimes a prospect will show up and a rep will just drill them with questions. And they'll be drilling someone with questions where they just ask them question after question after question. And this is a really frustrating experience for buyers, because they've shown up, they've agreed to give us 30 minutes to an hour of their time. And essentially all we've done is haven't given them any value whatsoever, and have really just have them answer questions for us. So the way you want to think about it is almost a 50/50 split, where you really want to give your prospect information, but you also want to get some back. And the way I think about it is almost like a rubber band. If you ask your prospect a question, every time you ask a question, that rubber band stretches a little. And eventually, it'll just stretch so far that it'll be a very frustrating experience and they'll snap and they won't want to buy from you. So you want to ask a couple questions, and then you want to give a customer a story and release the tension. You want to ask a couple questions and then talk about your value proposition and release the tension. And that's how you have a really good reciprocal relationship with buyers. So you're definitely going to be getting value out of the call, but they will as well. That's a really important thing I see in discovery that I've been working on myself as well. And it's super important to running good discoveries. I think that the phrase, you know, discovery never ends lends itself really well to this because certainly there's a lot of digging that any rep wants to do, but you have to earn your seat at the table for that next call and for that pricing call or whenever you bring in more stakeholders. Right. And that's when you can continue to do your discovery. Like if you don't nail all your discovery questions on that first call, I don't think it's the end of the world, right? Like you can get that on the demo, you can get that on the presentation or whatever call you have next lined up in your sales process. But a lot of people go in and say, hey, I need to have these five answers questions. You know what? You get four out of five and you can get the next one on the next call. That's absolutely great because you need to provide value to these clients. It's just super important to be able to bring that. And if you want to be a trusted advisor, you have to act like one as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I think it might've been Aaron Evans, who was on a recent episode here. And he was saying one of the great things about discovery, we were talking actually talking about qualification, is that if you don't get the qualification piece right in the first go, it gives you a really cool way, cool reason to reach out and have that follow-up conversation. So you could say, hey, Marty, you know what? I was looking and thinking about you yesterday and I realized there's a couple of things I forgot to ask you in our first call. Can I grab a few minutes of your time just to bounce those off you? Or you can email them and say, look, I was really unsure around what your mindset is about the time frame that you're gonna to need to get this stuff done. Is this something that you're doing now? So even if you miss it, right, that's a much better reason to reach out or to ring up or whatever the case may be, rather than say, you know, just checking in, haven't heard from you for a week and a half, you know. So I thought that was a really cool, cool tool to use as well.
2: Another good tactic to use, and this is something that I picked up that's helped me quite a bit, is everyone has that prospect that comes in and it's just drilling you with questions. And you want to be a trusted advisor, but you also want to learn a little bit more about the business. You want to learn about timelines. You have your own questions. And one way to essentially get out of that situation where you're just being drilled from question after question is you take a question, you answer the question. And before stopping at the end and allowing them to go to their next question on another kind of list is I'll answer the question and then I'll finish that with asking my question. So whether or not that being like, yep, yeah, you know, we have X and Y and Z functionality. I'm actually really curious about you guys do you think you would find X and Y functionality be a priority on your guys' list? And it just kind of flips it back into a more conversational instead of so that, that prospect continuously just drilling you with questions. You, know, you can kind of make that more give and get relationship that we're looking for.
1: Yeah. So one of the strategies that I learned pretty early on was if a prospect was one of those people that asked a lot of questions and was constantly trying to get information out of you, and a way to get strategy was just to say, why do you ask? So if they said, can this machine handle... I don't know, 6,000 pages a minute, well, why do you ask? Why is that important to you? you know, so then they have to give you a bit more back, which allows you to then provide the right answer. So if they say, well, we don't want a machine, because if you say, yes, of course, it can be 6,000 pages, they might turn around and say, well, clearly it's over spec for what we need it to be, because you know, our assumptions can sometimes bring us undone. If you ask why, it's going to make it easier for you to shape your answer. Exactly. Yeah. All right, so Marty, is that the, the main takeaway pieces there from the, the discovery calls? There's
2: some good takeaways there. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, give, give, get is, is probably the biggest one there. The other thing I like to ask at the end of discovery calls, and there's so much we can go into in discovery calls, but probably my favorite one is that at the end of a discovery call, I always just like to ask this question because everyone answers it different ways. Is what boxes would we have to check off for you to move forward with us? And from that, that prospect will just tell you basically exactly what you need to do to have that deal close. And what you just need to do is focus on checking out all those boxes and write it down and repeat it to them at the start of the next meeting. And every time just be like, Hey, I just want to check. These are also all the same boxes. We're hitting them all out of the park. view, you know, and really just make that a smooth buying process for them because people will change what they tell you every time. So, you know, it's really important. I always like to ask that question. And that's something that always leads to more discovery as well when they ask those questions.
1: Okay, great. And it shows progression through the deal too. So it's building commitment, which I think is important, you know, because the thing when we go and ask our prospects a lot of questions, you know, we're not typically getting commitment a lot of the times. So that's great. Okay. So, Marty, let's think about AEs, BDMs, BDRs, you know, that sort of thing, full cycle sales guys like yourself, guys and girls. If you could give one piece of advice to people to be more successful in
2: sales today, what would that be? Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I would say is always just lead with value. Anytime you're prospecting, first impressions really do matter. So if your first communication with someone is going to be essentially you pitching your product, that's not really a great buyer experience. So you always want to lead with a case study or something that's going to make their day a little bit better or something that's going to help their job a little bit easier. So the biggest thing is just lead with value. I find that that's always the best way to kind of approach anything whether it be email, meetings, you know, whatever that may be. And just tying that all together is you got to think about the buyer experience and you know, how they're thinking about a deal, what they're feeling, how to essentially make them a little more comfortable in the buying process. Because I think that's a really overlooked piece of information. Lovely. Every interaction with your clients, they should consider it to be
1: valuable. Not you, them. They, they should get value from every interaction. and That's going to keep them coming back. That's going to make it easy for them to return your call, return your email. They're not going to ghost you they're getting value from each interaction. Good one, Marty. So what about connections, that sort of thing? So are you interested in people connecting with you? How can people get in contact with you? Do you want people to get in contact
2: with you? Give us a rundown there. Yeah, no problem. You can find me on LinkedIn. It's just under Martin Burwell. You know, I'm always happy to chat on there as well. If you enjoy Twitter, I'm also on Twitter as a Burwell underscore Martin. I'm always happy to chat on there as well. So LinkedIn and Twitter, feel free to add me and Happy to chat about anything I talked about on this podcast.
1: Which one do you prefer, mate? LinkedIn, Twitter? Twitter. Okay. So I'll put the links to both of your profiles in the show notes, Marty, so people can find that. And I might put a link to the original thread that got us talking in the first point. Thank you. Mate, thank you very much for coming on. And I appreciate you staying up a little bit late all the way over there in Canada to come and share your sales with those people here on the Boss Podcast.
2: Thanks, Marty. Yeah, no problem whatsoever. Appreciate you having me on. How would you like an
1: electronic copy of Tactical Pipeline Growth sent directly to you for free? You see, I need a little help and I'm prepared to swap you for it. All you have to do is leave us an honest review on Apple Podcast as it would really help other listeners to find us and it helps us find more great guests in the future. Guests just like the ones today that we had on. And of course, the better the guests, the better the sales strategies so that we get. The good news is it'll only take you about 60 seconds to do and you can probably access the review function directly from the device you're using right now to listen to us. I'd really appreciate it. Simply leave us a review and then screenshot that and send it to me either via DM on LinkedIn or directly through my email and I'll send you a copy of the book straight away. So that's it for this show. Catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening.